Welcome back, you luminous lightning bugs. It's great to have you here for another week of A Little Greener, a podcast all about nature conservation and sustainability. I am one of your hosts. My name is Sarah, and I'm here with the wonderful Casey. I need a better adjective. I always say the wonderful Casey. You're, you are many I'll other things. I'll take it. <laughs> I will take it. You're always so complimentary uh, with the fantastic Sarah, and, who just like provided us with, I think, just a wholesome, like beautiful Listen, imagery of a luminous lightning bug. I needed it, that. <laughs> it's because I'm moving away from the Midwest and just sitting out and watching the fireflies or the lightning bugs. I call them both. Uh, is a very do they mid- not have those thing? in your new there location are in parts but I don't recall ever really seeing them but I think there are in parts of the state if oh. I'm recalling correctly but yeah it's not like I could just sit out in my backyard and watch the lightning bugs we'll do a whole episode oh. on lightning bugs one day lightning bugs are awesome yeah they're the best should. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, totally agree um but we're here for just a short period of time this week as we mentioned maybe just last episode or maybe the episode uh before sarah is moving across the country when when we move we don't do it small guys <laughs> sarah and i have made cross-country moves during the life of this podcast which has just been like six months <laughs> So we're making some big yeah. life changes, but we're, we're, uh, we wanted to make a little bit of time for you guys. So this is going to obviously be a really short episode, which you can tell by the runtime, but we wanted to check in with some pretty hopeful news. Yeah. Sarah, you brought this to my attention. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what we're talking about? Yeah. I just came across this on, on the good old social media, um, through a organization called the story of stuff, which they're a pretty good follow if you are interested in sustainability, but they shared some news from the past couple of weeks from the state of California who passed several, I don't, I don't, were there like five or six in there that just in this post uh, environmental related laws. I, uh, I want to point out, I like looked it up. Gavin Newsom signed into law, like 770 bills on like this. Yeah. There was like a big package. It was a huge package. He also vetoed a bunch too, but this post calls out like seven, I think, uh, that, that they were talking about, but yeah, there was some sort of big environmental package, which is pretty exciting. They mentioned this story of stuff in their post about how this was also exciting because they say California is the world's fifth largest economy, the world's fifth largest economy, which is is crazy. Uh, So things that California does can have a farther reaching impact than just within that state. Them making some of these changes might help to push things along in other places too, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. I I like did a little bit of research about it and turns out like things like local minimum wage laws and paid time off came originally from California. And so California is a little bit of a testing ground for a lot of progressive policies on both a social, but especially environmental level. Um, And they kind of push the rest of the country forward because they do have such an outsized impact on, uh, on the economy of the U S but yeah, if you separated them in their own country, they're like only behind like the U S and China and like three other countries. It's crazy. And, you know, I know that some people kind of don't like this and then it does almost feel forced upon you, but in my mind, at least this is kind of what we need right now. And we've talked about this in terms of the environmental standpoint. I think there are things that we need to do that are just 
they're hard to do. Sometimes we are, we are very set. Our infrastructure is very set in a certain way. And we're used to having things done a certain way. And I do think we just need this push and it's going to be okay. I think this is going to help us make these changes and changes are hard, but, um, but I think it's going to be good. So do you want me to just run through real quick, this little list and then we can discuss? Yeah, we can break it down after you run through the list. Go for it. Yeah. So again, this is just a few, uh, what was called out in, in this Instagram post, uh, the big one that was something that we've talked about on this podcast before is SP 343. This is looking to change packaging and ban the use of that what's thought of as the recycling symbol, those chasing arrows on items that aren't recyclable in curbside bins. We, do we want to said we break this, this down now? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's just sure. go for it. Um, yeah. Let me tell you how many times I have had to pull the orange juice carton out of the recycling bin because Andrew sees the chasing arrows symbol, that classic recycling symbol and thinks recyclable. But when you read closer, it says at qualified facilities or whatever, mm-hmm. like little disclaimer is in there. You cannot put that item in curbside recycling, right, Sarah? That is correct. So inside those chasing arrows, there's going to be a number and most curbside recycling places. And this is, it's different depending on where you live. So some For places plastic, can right? take more. Yeah. We're talking about plastics here. Um, most places or some places can take more, but most places it's one and two you need to see a number one and two inside those chasing arrows. And those are the only ones that in a lot of places that you can put in your curbside recycling. Again, you know, depending on where you live, some places have a much more robust, yeah. robust um, program that will take more, but, uh, but those are the most easily recyclable ones. So that's called a resin code, those numbers. And that's just telling you what type of plastic um, it's made out of. So yeah, that's specifically for plastic. I actually don't know too much in terms of other materials. If those chasing arrows are appearing on other. Yes. Um, they they that are, are. That are also not. Yeah. So you have to think about, um. Let's say uh, styrofoam, for example, is sure. a really big one. Um, styrofoam is not recyclable in your general recycling. Basically anywhere, you would have to go to a very specific facility to make sure that it is recycled. So we used to get our eggs in styrofoam containers because that's the only one the grocery store had. Sarah, you're looking like- Is, is that you, also a type of plastic though? Is styrofoam I think plastic? it is, so, yeah. but, but but the um, the cardboard, like the, the carton for the orange juice, it's kind of a, a, a classic kind curve. of combo. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a composite with, so think about it, it's like a cardboard kind of waxy feeling material with plastic inlaid in it for the nozzle. And it says the little recycling logo on there. So it's, it's not quite a full plastic, but it's a combination, but because it's a combination, you can't put it in recycling. Um, lots of other things. You, you just have to think about like, you know, if it's pure paper, if it's pure cardboard, it's recyclable in all, in most of these places, uh, aluminum cans, for example, are recyclable, but a lot of like cups that you get at like McDonald's and stuff aren't. So yeah, we're seeing this appear on all sorts of things. And what it does is it pollutes the, uh, recycling stream. When you have items in there, you, you can't, what we would call wish cycle where you're like. I really want this to be recyclable and it kind of says it is. So I'll just throw it in. And if it's not, they'll just take it out. What ends up happening is your whole thing can get your whole neighborhood stuff can get thrown out. If there's too many of these non-recyclable items, it's not worth it to sort. So in my mind, I read this and I'm like, yes, this is, yeah. why doesn't everybody do this? This should always have 
it never should have been this confusing anyway. So um, I was like, yes, this is golden. What is actually going to happen with this is, you know, it's not one of those things where you can just snap your fingers. This is, this has been signed and now we're we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So basically their state recycling organization has until January of 2024 to come up with a list of what is going to be constitute these recyclable materials. And so that is going to be uh, if an item is collected in curbside programs that cover at least 60% of the state's population. Um, and there's some other things having to do with how it's sorted at the facilities. But so basically it's got to be something that is taken in over 60% of the state's curbside recycling in order to be on this list of recyclable materials that's allowed to have that chasing arrows. Nothing outside of what's on that list is going to be able to have that chasing arrows or be labeled as recyclable. Now, there's a, maybe you can see a little bit of an issue there, and there are some op- opponents who say this is actually going to decrease the materials that are recycled because if people are not seeing that, they're not going to recycle it. They're just automatically going to throw it away. And so uh, people who can recycle other materials in their recycling are going to stop doing so. To me, right now, with the system that we have, that's still the better option because we are contaminating our recycling. (laughs) It's better to not put something in recycling than to put things in recycling that aren't recyclable, if that makes sense. Definitely. It definitely makes sense. Um, And what the governor was arguing in one of the news press releases that I saw about it is basically what he's saying is, is that we should not be giving company's credit mm-hmm. for doing something environmentally friendly, quote unquote, yeah. we shouldn't be charging the public. Like the public is willing to spend more on more sustainable items. So if you're lying to them about it being sustainable, you're basically punishing the public without them knowing. And this is greenwashing. This is basically a way, a marketing technique to convince the public to buy your product under the guise that it is more eco-friendly. What I think might be something that happens is let's say that your laundry detergent no longer is recyclable, right? Like you've got that big laundry detergent container. It, it, it turns out it's no longer recyclable in normal recycling. I think the most eco-friendly of us are going to start looking at what are the alternatives? There are laundry detergents that come in boxes. There's stuff that you can get. That's more like, you know, it's, it doesn't just have to come in liquid and it's going to leave room for these alternatives that don't have plastic to, to have some growths. So yes, there's going to be some growing pains, but as we've established the current system doesn't work. Right. So let's go for some changes. The other thing that I was curious about with this is, so you have companies that are producing items that are selling them all over the place, not just in California. So if they're going to have to change their packaging for California, it seems logical to me that they would change that packaging for everywhere (laughs) because they're not going to want to stop being able to sell in California, basically. So why not just change the packaging? This is a little more complicated maybe than I thought too. I was reading this article. It's from a website that's resourcerecycling.com. And they say that at least from another website, packagingwa.com. Interesting. I'll have to look at that website. (laughs) Uh, At least three dozen states have their own laws requiring those resin codes on plastic containers. 
And so different states already have different requirements. Some of those laws require the chasing arrows that California is getting huh. rid of. So we're going to have to see a, if like- this is, they have a quote from a, apparently from a Massachusetts state law, the code shall consist of a number placed inside a triangle and letters placed below the triangle. Uh, the triangle shall be equilateral formed by three arrows with the apex. Like that's a law in Massachusetts. So. Uh, well, I wonder if we'll end up with something like Massachusetts versus California, mm-hmm. uh, like in the courts trying to figure out like what the argument is, or if you'll have these packaging companies suing California, you know, it'll, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how it actually rolls out. The nice thing about this one is yes, it does sort of impact our packaging elsewhere, but it is also like a testing ground to see if doing this increases recycling or at least effective recycling in California. Like that's the nice thing about when laws get passed in California. It's not just to, like some of them drag us along with them, but it also does things where we have a testing ground where you can say like, oh, this policy worked or it didn't work and see if it can be scaled up to the whole country. Yeah. So that's first one, unless you have anything to add on to that one. No, that's the big one. Yeah, that was the big one. Yeah, but there's others. Yeah, so I mean, the next one that they called out was AB 652. This is banning the use of some toxic substances in products for children. PFAs, I know nothing about this. I didn't really look into it. John Oliver uh, just did an episode on this. So we've never done an episode on... PFASs, but, um, but he just did, if you want to learn a little bit about them, they're kind of scary. So, um, I'm cool with it. (laughs) Um, they're like an additive, a type of plastic basically that's been shown to have some health impacts. So, uh, this, for example, you'll see this sometimes on products outside of California where you will have like the packaging and then somewhere on the packaging, it'll be like the state of California has deemed this substance toxic. Yeah. And, and so basically it's like trying to package around the fact that like they can't sell it certain places or that they have to disclose that information. So I, that's what I would expect on some of these packaging is to start to see like toys for children that have these substances start to say, Oh, well, we can still sell it, but California says it's toxic. And I think for, as a parent, you want to be like, ah, maybe something that might be toxic shouldn't be in my child's mouth. So, so that's where that one is. So the next one then is AB 881. This is another one that I'm just like, yes, should have been a thing uh, yeah. that this no longer allows exported waste to be counted towards zero waste recycling goals. We are not or at least in California, they're not going to now just pawn off their trash on to somebody else and say, we've done a good thing here because you shouldn't be able to do that. So I'm all about that one. We are all one planet. I'm not even into like jettisoning trash into space. Like, I think that's also pretty garbage. (laughs) Um, so, so yes, this is like one of those very common sense. We, we, as Americans cannot be foisting our garbage on other countries. Yeah. AB 962 creates pathway for circular bottle systems by allowing for refunds for clean reusable glass containers. I wish I had looked into this one more. I did not really uh, dive deep into this one or what it was talking about, but I'm all for any sort of circular system. Yeah. I think what it, this is, is kind of like, um, this used to be the way that like you would buy a Coke and then Mm -hmm. you would return the bottle. I think this is starting to carve out those, those things. So that's really exciting. 
um, because that gives you an alternative to recycling and glass is really expensive to recycle and transport. So it is nice that you could just like refill it for the same purpose. Yeah. Uh, the next one I feel like is very similar to the the main one that we talked about in terms of, of packaging is a similar thing with composting. So AB1201 requires that a product labeled compostable is certified to actually break down into organic compost. It ensures harmful chemicals stay out of California's compost stream. This is another thing where you just, you hear a lot about products. I know even like bags, I see like pet waste bags that are called biodegradable or compostable, but again, a lot of, or a cutlery, um, that sort of thing that is, does not actually break down in your normal backyard composting. So yeah, I'm all about more biodegradable balloons. Yeah. Yeah. no, don't do it. Not, not fast enough. Basically you can't do it in your normal composting and it doesn't break down fast enough or clean enough to be used in a way that's beneficial. So, yep, this is good. We don't want any greenwashing. Yep. AB1276, another one that is common sense to me, prohibits restaurants for providing single use foodware unless requested by the customer. This is another thing that I just feel like solves a lot of issues. I don't need to be handed 20 ketchup packets when I get some food from a restaurant. I don't like ketchup. I will ask you if I need something <laughs> and you can have it there. So this is different than a ban, right? Like I, so I like this yes. better than a ban situation because it allows for that flexibility. If you need something, you can get it, but we're, we're taking out the, this is b- going to be given to you automatically, whether you need it or not. Yeah. This happened a lot during the pandemic. We, there was like only one Asian food restaurant nearby who was serving food, but every time we would go, they would hand us just so much, like put it in the bag. So I didn't even think about it till I got home. So much of that, like plastic utensils wrapped in another layer of disposable plastic. And I'm like, it's a pandemic. Where am I going? Where do you think that I'm going to need this? And obviously there were situations where, yes, it's good to have those utensils. Maybe you're going out to a park or something like that. But literally every time I was going home and no one ever asked, and I just hadn't thought about it. So it is a good way to take that pressure off of the consumer so that I don't have to get my first drink and realize that they've already put a straw in it. It doesn't have the straw. And if I need a straw, I can ask. And then the last one on here, which is another one that I wish that I had looked into a little more closely, because I don't know what, what all of the kind of issues around this are, but AB1311 addresses the statewide shortage of recycling facilities, particularly in rural, rural communities. Access is a good thing. <laughs> like the way that they're talking about this in this post is very vague. So yeah, yeah we don't have a lot to say yeah. on it, but yeah, the equality in, in how people have the ability to dispose of their waste is important. Yeah. I, the, the first one, the, the SB343 is the one that I, you know, I actually, you, you can, if you're interested in any of these, the numbers are there, you can look them up, uh, whether you live in California or not, you can pull those up and find the full text. I did that for the the SB 343. Um, I just, yeah, I was kind of interested in digging into that one a little bit, but I think it's all, I'm excited about all of it. I think it's cool to see these changes being pushed forward and I'm excited to see how they roll out. And if it does start to cause some uh, similar legislature in other states as well. 
It's exciting that um, people are, it's basically these are going to be tested out. They're going to be troubleshooted. We're going to find what the actual products are, but it's for a general market that might be more receptive to these things than, and, and give the grace of the learning time period before we need to launch it out to the general public who might be a smidge more skeptical about the purpose of these in general. So if you can like say, Hey, in California, it cut down this amount of waste or saved us this amount of money. That is a much better argument than arguing the theoretics of how a system like this might work. So yeah, we won't see the impacts of a lot of these bills probably for the next five years or so, but we got to start sometime right? and today's great. (laughs) Yeah. There's no time like the present to get the ball rolling. Cool. Anything else to add Casey on that one? No, thank you so much for bringing this up to uh, my attention. I ended up going into a weird deep dive um, (laughs) into the random laws that were uh, enacted for this. And uh, it it was really interesting. So I was reading this to Andrew, (laughs) but yeah, we'll, we'll try and cover some more good news when it comes around and we'll we'll keep this short because Sarah's got to pack her house and move many states away. So I want to wish you and Murray luck. Thanks. We'll need it. We'll need it. (laughs) So hopefully this time next week, I will be coming to you from another state and we hope to, we hope to not skip a week here. So thanks Casey. Thanks for joining me and thanks for listening everyone. Do you want to tell them where to find us real fast, Casey? Oh, yeah. If you want to see those laws, I'll post it in our story from the story of stuff. Um, but you can find us at a little greener pod on Instagram, a little greener podcast on Facebook. And you can email us at a little greener podcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions, feedback, comments, if you're from California and you want to tell us some interesting story about these bills, we want to hear it and we want to share it. So let us know. But in the meantime, we'll you'll hear from us next week. I'll say it right the first time eventually. Bye, everyone. Bye.